Hey, Alison, how are you? Hi, Andrea. Yeah, I'm really good. I'm really good. Thank you. How are you? Good. I feel so familiar because we talked yesterday, just just chatting, but not recording or anything. But that was really fun. <laughs> yeah, no, it's nice. It feels like you've just been there and now we're here and another episode yeah. for the new year. And it's really exciting. Caught up on Christmas. I know what you were reading. I know what you ate. <laughs> I know where yeah. you went. <laughs> yeah, exactly. It's pretty good. Virtual friends, eh? Thank the Lord for the virtual world in some ways. I know. I know. I agree. Um, that's the, I do think about that sometimes. You know, I think it's important to not replace in-person friendships with the virtual friendships, but also mm. we all live so far apart instead of, you know, literally walking distance across from each other like we may have once in the past. So it is kind of nice to be able to have conversations off and on throughout the day with friends over social media or whatever. Um, I think it's an, it's, it's good to have a combo. <laughs> I agree. I agree. And I yeah. think when you, um, when you have particular interests that the rest of the world doesn't necessarily have, it's a wonderful mm -hmm. way to find yeah. um, in common. That's, that's why I like it. So yeah. I'm glad I found you. And thanks and to everyone who our listens. Our virtual friends, the patrons of the podcast, thanks to them yeah. for finding us and helping yeah. us keep this show running on the road. Exactly, <laughs> exactly. And we're we're coming with a bonus episode today. So yeah. this is not our usual Tuesday posting because we've got something particularly special to share, Stoked which is kind of um, prepping the way for the whole of this year, hopefully. So, Andrea, as this was your wonderful idea, do you want to um, go ahead and explain what it is to people? Yeah. Well, like all good ideas, I stole it from somebody else. <laughs> so nothing original, but <clears throat> I mentioned this in another recording we did. So you, you might hear me mention this twice if you're listening to every episode. Thanks if you are, <laughs> but, um, I, I am a patron of another podcast also that's the literary life podcast, 1010 recommend, and they have a reading challenge every year, which is awesome. And has pushed me into reading new categories of books and things that I've never finished or felt too intimidated to read or just thought it was out of my wheelhouse. Well, I was sitting the other day and thinking, man, I wish there was a challenge for me in the kitchen like that, that would make me try mm -hmm. things that weren't in my wheelhouse or I'd been too intimidated by or, you know, aspects that I've just never touched. And then I thought, well, why don't I make one? <laughs> so um, I bounced this idea across the ocean to you. And then we threw together, you had ideas, I had ideas, I stacked them all together, um, you know, removed the redundancies. And then um, there was 22 items on the challenge, which I thought was funny, because it's 2022. <laughs> yeah. So um, we've got 22 challenges in a kitchen challenge for all of y'all, the 2022 Ancestral Kitchen Challenge. And the challenge topics are, I wanted to put them together to spark, not to be a task for you and a drudgery, but to spark a creative fire. Just like the reading challenges for me, the reading challenge is pretty broad, you know, read a book from the Victorian era or something like that. They're not giving me a specific title. That's kind of how I wanted this challenge to be. Like, um, make a fermented beverage. Okay. I'm not going to be really specific. Maybe you can't do, um, milk kefir because of a certain sensitivity. Mm -hmm. So you might choose, you know, Allison's suins or something like that. Mm -hmm. So, um, I wanted it to be pretty broad and accessible for everybody, no matter what your health needs were. And then I also just love for you to be able to be creative with it and make it really fun in your own so so yeah the and challenge the fact is, is because that because there's 22 you know yeah. that if everyone wants to do all of them then you'd have a couple yeah. of months to do but yeah it's just as well you could just look down there and think well I fancy this one and then the next uh -huh. month or perhaps I'll have a go uh -huh. at that one to take yeah. it at your own pace do whichever ones kind of tickle your fancy um, which other ones will move you to the place where you want to be because that's exactly I think that's what I got from you when you yeah. suggested it the idea that we all have ways we want to move forward in our lives and in our kitchens and that we can support, encourage and help each other by mm -hmm. this kind of list of, of ideas. Yes. That then we can take and interpret if and when we want to this year and share those with us and share with the rest of the community, which will be really cool. Yeah, 
yeah, sometimes we just need a little push, you know, um, mm. like I enjoy the reading challenge, not because I hate reading and it forced me to read, but because I love reading and I just needed someone to nudge me and say, try reading a Greek tragedy. You've never read one before. Okay. Mm. You know, I read it. And I loved it. Oh, it was depressing, you know, because it's a Greek tragedy, but, <laughs> um, but uh, I loved the, the process. <laughs> you know, it was, it was art. Okay. <laughs> So hopefully none of hopefully none of these challenges is what have our, we'll have our <laughs> listeners in tears. <laughs> oh man. And and I know um I've seen this with lots of different challenges that are out there, or you know, when I say something, you know, try this and and people sometimes need permission. Um mm. so if if it says on here, make a ferment, you know, or try something new to you, and somebody might say, Well, you know, I I did such and so. Does that really count? you know, this, you, you are the boss in your kitchen. You're the head chef. You're calling the shots. Yeah. So, you know, you don't need our permission on, is this going to count? In fact, I, in in a way, I think the more wildly creative you get, the better, (laughs) you know, the more you go off the beaten path, the the more exciting it is. So there's lots and lots of ways to interpret all of these. Do you want to run through a couple Mm. of them, Alison, just so people have an idea what's, what's coming down? Yeah, okay, so we've put um, them all together in a PDF document, which you can print out, stick up or put somewhere on one of your devices to um, access whenever you want. And we'll have it on both of our Instagrams. And there's will be a link to it on my site, um, which is quite easy to remember, ancestralkitchen.com forward slash challenge. If you write that in, you will see the list that I'm looking at now and you will be able to have that throughout the year. So I'm just going to start at the top. The first one is make a fermented a fermented or lacto-fermented beverage. And if mm-hmm. you already ferment beverages, try a new one. So there are just so many fermented drinks. Um, and, lot. you know, there's the usual water kefir, kombucha, all that kind of stuff that people know about. But there are alternatives. Like you said, if people don't like or can't have dairy, then there are many. There's, you know, beet kvass. There's bread kvass. There's more unusual fermented drinks. And there's also the option of um, using grains as well. Like you said, my suans or my boza. Mm-hmm. There's a recipe on my site for Russian bread kvass. So if anyone wants to oh, yeah, kind I've of experiment that. into that, that's a fabulous drink and really mm-hmm. easy to do if you've got rice sourdough around. Um, and it's just to really, for people who haven't had a lacto-fermented drink before, to give it a go. And then for for those who perhaps have a staple every day to experiment and try something new which I mm-hmm. which I really like okay number yeah. two and is, if you, oh, you even yeah. Allison even if you're doing um say say you already make kombucha and you mm-hmm. want to do challenge number one but you don't want to do something besides kombucha maybe you've never second fermented or maybe you've never tried flavoring it a different way or maybe you've tried never bottled it or you yeah, know used a, a different tea you know just do whatever like make it fun and and make it challenging. <laughs> yeah, no, I know a lot of people who don't second ferment water kefir, who just have it in the jar and then yeah, ask me. me why it's not busy. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, no, get get some get some bottles and second ferment what you're doing. Yeah. Um, and you can do that with with any of the fermented drinks. You know, you can even mm-hmm. do that with beet kvass if you want. You can put a bit of sugar in it at the end and oh, then yeah. put it in a oh, pressurized so bottle, and you've got bubbly beet kvass. Mm-hmm. So okay, number two is read a book mentioned on the podcast and we've mm-hmm. just put out last week our books for um 2022 episode so uh, <laughs> no the show notes books. for that are are kind of eye-rollingly long so if you want to go back and look at any of those books there's there's tons of inspiration in there and we did a book podcast last year as well and we talk about um many many books so that's yeah. that's a nice one and i would love to hear if people are um diving into some of the books that we've been diving into because that's something yeah. that I love to, to share with yeah you. especially let us know because Allison and I have already earmarked authors that we've said boy we want to interview this person and if you're reading the mm. book and if you're reading a book and you think man I would love to hear their thoughts on this maybe it's yeah, somebody totally. we've already kind of had our eye on so let us know and there's yeah, books really I think there's books listed Allison in every single one of our show notes so yeah, <laughs> you can go to any right. show notes and yeah totally number three is find and make a bread that works for your family Mm -hmm. so we wanted to put a bread one on here but 
obviously that doesn't have to be um, wheat. It doesn't have to be a, a grain that's got gluten in it. It could be a lower gluten grain like rye. There's some recipes for rye breads on my site. Mm-hmm. It could be spelled, obviously, the, the grain that I love. But it also could be a gluten-free bread or um, even a lectin-free bread. Or perhaps um, there are there are breads on the gaps diet. I know because I made yeah. them when we were on it. Yeah. So whatever works for you and your family, I think finding one bread recipe that you can just repeat and after a few mm-hmm. weeks you've got down pat is so, so wonderful for you to have with your family because it's something that you can just make maybe two or three at a time and then mm-hmm. even freeze some. And then you've got bread for, you know, a week, two weeks. And yeah. it's it's a staple here. And so um, if anyone wants support with that, obviously, you know, I'm I'm around for questions yeah. on that one. But yeah, find something that works for you. It's and it doesn't three. have to be a loaf. That's kind of a European idea of bread is yeah, a loaf. True. We picture that. But, you know, the Tef pancakes that yeah. Aaron taught us, that's a bread. You know, there's all yeah. kinds of different flatbreads and different things that people might be doing. Um, and if you if you do something with your challenge, like, oh, I decided to make it completely from local ingredients, or I decided to make it totally in the you know tradition of you know my ancestors or something, we want to hear all about that whenever you post about it. And use the yeah. hashtag um, ancestral kitchen challenge because I'll be I'm I'll, I'll be crawling all over that hashtag to see everyone's <laughs> yeah <laughs> if you learn something from from one from someone in your family who's made it for a very long time let us know mm-hmm. that for sure because that I love hearing stories of breads that have been passed oh, yeah. down and made in families so that would be wonderful to to hear about okay number four use some kitchen scraps that would normally be tossed so that one, um, my brain automatically goes to vinegar and putting yeah. apple cores in vinegar. But obviously yeah. there's tons of things you can do with, with kitchen scraps. You can put them in stocks. You can use them in, in dinners. You know, you can put them into, put bits into bread. What yeah. other ideas Sa- have you got? Sourdough discard. Um, yeah. A lot of people throw that away, yeah. which, you know, tells no, me they're using cheap flour. <laughs> yeah, no. I would never <laughs> throw away something I made with my expensive flour. Um mm. Or your kefir grains, Allison, like you put them into your smoothies. Um, Those get thrown away a lot of the time. Um, Kombucha, scobies, they can be used for all kinds of different things. Those usually get thrown away. Yeah, and and obviously if you've got bread left over and it's gone a bit stale, look up Mm. all the thousands of recipes there are for um, using leftover bread. Yeah. Um, Not just in the Tuscan litany of recipes, but all over the world and um, come up with it. I've got a recipe on my site for bread lasagna which is really good with stale bread. So yeah. anything like that works too. Awesome. And if you've, okay. if you've got yeah. rotten eggs, just throw them away. There's, there's nothing to do with those. <laughs> Thanks for that. There's no redeeming. Okay. <laughs> yeah. um, the next one is use a new-to-you kitchen tool and double the adventure if you find a vintage tool too. So yeah, mm-hmm. as anyone who's listened to the podcast knows, we really like kind of old stuff. Oh, yeah. So if you're able to find something at a flea market or a, a thrift store, to use and bring it back into active use in the kitchen that's really cool but other than that you know just you haven't got a slow cooker and you've always wanted one and you've got the means to to get yourself one (laughs) have a go with it you know that kind of thing so i I want to carry on yeah Mm -hmm. (laughs) i need a um freeze dryer so (laughs) i've never used one um I just wanted to say that on this one, the only thing that really pops into my head is, you know, of course you can go to any kitchen gadget store and find like a banana slicer or something you've never used before. But Mm -hmm. it's the reason why I threw in there about the vintage tool thing is because when you just kind of comb through the little um, antique markets or whatever, then that's where I, I pick up all kinds of random kitchen things and I'm staring at, I'm like, what is this? And I (laughs) take it home and then I start searching on the internet and I've found some really bizarre fermentation containers and things like that, doing that. Um, Sometimes- I have to go shopping with you. Yeah. (laughs) Uh, Sometimes you find nothing. (laughs) Um, And then Mm -hmm. other times I found really cool, like kraut hammers, a really cool old one. I found this huge, old, gigantic, like welded together, ladle that I'm still afraid to use for food but looks really cool hanging on the wall um so yeah find a random vintage vintage tool and maybe you find the tool first and then you have to reverse engineer figure out what it's for 
Um, it can be hard to go out looking for a specific tool. Like I'm looking for a marrow scraper. Good luck. <laughs> but yeah, if you just yeah. go looking through, shuffle through those little boxes of silverware and things like that, you'll find just weird things. Yeah, okay. Take photos and show us. Let, let's move on. Let's do the next one. Yeah. What's the next one? You, you do the next few. Um, okay. Cook with a spice you've never used before. That was you, Allison. <laughs> yeah. Well, that was me and my sumac, wasn't it? Like yeah. last year, I think. <laughs> really? I just completely in love with sumac. And I've done yeah. some research since then, and it's just like the most medicinal herb I've ever heard of, I think. I think yeah, that's going to be the one I'm going to so use. There's for so my, many spices out there. Another one that I really love that is really not quite as well known as perhaps like its cousins, like cinnamon, is mace. Oh, and, yeah. Um, I love using one. mace. Um, mm-hmm. That's really good in muffins, goes so well with sweet potato. I, yeah, I yeah. could go on. Okay, um, in the last yeah. two years, I've really gotten obsessed with cassia. That's... Oh, yeah. Okay. I had never used that before. I, I mean, I guess I'd heard the name because it's mentioned in the Bible a ton. It's like in every mm-hmm. blend, all all over the place in there. But so anyway, cassia. I've been really loving that. It's it's really cinnamon like, really hot and spicy. So I've been putting it actually in drinks a lot. So nice. that's a fun one. Okay, what's next? Um, exchange a recipe with someone in another country, snail mail or electronic mail. So if you don't mm-hmm. know someone in another country, you're going to have to meet someone in another country, <laughs> depending on where you live. It could be me or Allison. Yeah. We volunteer, <laughs> but, mm-hmm. um, you know, find someone in a different country, or maybe you have a friend over there and I put snail mail or electronic mail because sometimes it's just not realistic to be able to actually physically mail something. But if you want to, and if you can, I think it's really precious to, um, yeah take the time to maybe print out or write out some cards or, or recipes and put them together. You only have to send at least one if you want to, you know, do the challenge, but do whatever you want with this. I just felt like it could be a great chance to explore each other's cuisines and regional yeah. favorites. Yeah. I've done that quite a lot this year and it's been one of the mm-hmm. most satisfying things that I've done yeah. last year. Um, well, that's actually what made I've, me think I've of it. something was... from, from, from some, some person yes. who was steeped yes. in that kind of culture mm-hmm. that I just would not have learned before it was just amazing exactly and and um you know listeners have a treat coming later on this month but it was actually you and Naomi's recipe exchanges that made me think of this you know because watching mm-hmm. the way you were swapping info yeah was just yeah. awesome okay yeah. number eight <clears throat> is another one that's close to my heart ask an elder for a recipe from the past and listen to their memories about food and life so mm-hmm. That is, Allison, let's talk about this one for just a minute. I want to spend a minute on this yeah. one. Can you, yeah. I, I know that um, listeners heard you mention this on the podcast, but mm-hmm. can you talk about the book that you found? Um, yeah, so I, um, we talked about this a little bit last week, but I'm reading a book called Chewing mm-hmm. the Fat, um, which is written by um, a lady in this country who um, is a professor at Siena University. But basically, who went round, it was written about five years ago, and interviewed a ton of very, very elderly women from all different parts of Italy and from all walks of life. So some of whom lived literally, you know, with one item, one um, suit of clothing for the whole of their childhood, you know, literally, no, and didn't have shoes and lived very close to the hunger line, you know, completely scavenging for food and some of whom were um, aristocratic and who lived in huge palazzos and she talked to them she let them talk she gave space for them to talk and share about their childhood and the 20 years of fascist rule is what she concentrated on so from 1922 into the early 1940s and these stories are just astounding I'm about mm-hmm. a third of the way through the book and what I am learning from, you know, firsthand kind of reported um, from these women about how they lived and how they actually ate, not how the world thinks, you know, Italian mm-hmm. nonnas ate when they were younger. Mm-hmm. And hearing their stories around the food, how they got their food, what they did with their food, why they cooked like this, who they shared their food with. And each um, woman who's interviewed um gave a recipe at the same time as as a long interview and the recipes just reading them it's completely different from reading them on their own in a book 
mm, because they're yeah. part they come to life as part of this sort of description of this woman's life and who she is and what she went through and I think that you know kind of informs this one that you've just read that there's so much knowledge and wisdom in the fingers and the bodies and the minds of the elderly women who we do have still some of them around us you know we've lost a lot of it probably but there are still people around us who hold wisdom that we don't necessarily have access to and that if we don't go find it it's potentially going to get lost and that's what astounds me about this book that I'm reading that you know all of this just wouldn't wouldn't have been documented and wouldn't have been known uh, if that woman hadn't spent you know months and months and months of her life going around interviewing women and working yeah. through the the interviews and sharing this stuff and, and trying to get it published and I think it's easy in our busy lives and also sometimes you know it's not the easiest thing to do to talk to an elder sometimes we're intimidated sometimes it's difficult perhaps to, to understand them because we perhaps speak a different language to them because we're 50 years younger than them um, but there is so much that is waiting to be passed on and shared and yes. so much wisdom knowledge joy um, just everything and, and I think the more we can do that, the more we'll have to pass on. And it, it needs to be done because in five years' time, so many of those women will have, will have passed on in 10 years' time, many, many more. Yeah. And we're moving to yeah. a time now where certainly my parents were a supermarket generation. You know, they bought all of their food from a supermarket. And my nan didn't, but my nans have gone, you know. Yeah. And they didn't yeah. really pass much on to my mother. And therefore, I don't have anything of, of that mm. kind of wisdom of, of their lives before supermarkets and so the more we can do it the more um the more wonderful it will be and the more we'll be able to kind of salvage as much as we can from from women's wisdom in the past i get off my mm -hmm. soapbox now because i'm quite passionate about that <laughs> yeah no i think this is this is a really big one um here I, i'm gonna read a little snippet out of the book actually I have it in front of me ah, chewing okay. the fat yeah and I'll link it in the show notes so people can see it. <clears throat> but this um, um, woman that she's interviewing was born in 1920 in, I don't know how to say this, Ovenenko, Ovenenko. Mm. I don't know how mm. to say it, somewhere in Italy. But so these are the sorts of memories that you'll hear. And one thing that I like about this book that I noticed as I was starting <laughs> kind of poking through it was that she's really written down the way they were saying it. So yeah. she she didn't hyper polish what they said it kind of comes through um in the sort of disjointed way that sentences look not not disjointed but you know a little bit the way somebody talks so mm. she says here's what the woman says there was too many mouths to feed in our house so breakfast was watered down milk and cafe de Hollande. it isn't around anymore so it probably wasn't very good but when you are hungry you don't notice so much how things taste if that is what there was you ate it we weren't fussy we were lucky to have bread in the morning because being in the heart of polenta country like we was, lots of folks had polenta for breakfast, lunch, and dinner. Part of the brachante pay on our farm was wheat. We threshed the grains ourselves and hauled the sacks off to the local mill to be ground. Just in that little casual mm. paragraph, there's so many things. What? You? You what? You? How did you thresh the grain? You know, so many questions. And and here she has the recipe: how to prepare snails. <laughs> yeah, I saw that. And I, snails are something that I've always struggled with. I have eaten them before several times, but I struggle with them. And I, don't I remember think I've reading ever had them, about actually. them in the part um, last year in Honey from a Weed, Patient Gray's book, and mm -hmm. um, going and finding a blog of someone who'd who'd cooked them and just seeing them all in my garden, our little patio garden. There's just snails yeah. everywhere. So you can understand if you're hungry, then me, yeah. you know, that's absolutely hungry, true. Um, but it might be a while before I get to that one. I don't think that's a challenge on the on the on the list of challenges, is it? <laughs> no, the only Cook time snails. we mentioned snails was snail mail. So you're OK there. <laughs> so that that'll be a really good one. I, I really hope that um, some treasures are shared. And, and I know, like Alison, I, I didn't say on here, ask your elder, because some of us don't have our own yeah. elders around anymore yeah. so you know you may need to find somebody else's <laughs> elder mm. and ask for their memories okay mm. um number nine is make a broth 
oh my goodness, endless choices here. Vegetable broth, bone broth, meat stock, really whatever you want to do. This you could coincide with use of like garbage scraps from your kitchen. You could do both those challenges together in that. A fish stock as well, obviously. That's one that's a bit oh, yeah, that's perhaps a more challenging. But if you go to mm-hmm. a fishmonger, generally they're getting rid of fish bones and fish heads because oh, yeah. they just cut them off for the Oh, yeah. For the customers. So when I used to live in the coast, um, on the coast of Cornwall, before we moved here, we used to often go to the fishmongers and just get all their heads and then put them in the stock pot and make a broth, which was delicious because you don't often get fish stock. Yeah. You know, you don't, yeah. you're not used to it. And it really does make a big difference if you're making a dish like that. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, I love fish stock. That's a good one. Great one. Mm. All right. Number 10. Put together a few of your favorite recipes and gift to a friend, snail mail or electronic mail. Okay, I mm-hmm. almost I almost didn't keep this one because we have exchanged a recipe with someone in another country and I thought people might think they were too similar, but they're not similar. Mm-hmm. I wanted to make sure that people knew that, you know, the value of both seeking out somebody in another country, but also, um, you know, putting together a couple recipes that you make all the time and just giving them to someone who maybe doesn't even expect them. This isn't an exchange. This is just a gift. So mm. <clears throat> that could be that I'm like, I'm thinking I've got my sister on the other side of the country. Maybe I'll put together a couple of the staples that we make in our house. I'll just type them out or write them out and send mm. them to her, you know, in a really nice envelope or something as a surprise. Um, of course I could put it together in a, you know, email and email it to her as well. So two sort of similar, but I thought worth keeping as separate. <laughs> yeah, no, I agree. Gift is, is different to exchange, very definitely. Yeah, totally. For sure. Totally. Shall I, I carry is on? It... We're up to number yeah. 11 now, aren't we? Okay, yep. so number 11 is make a ferment. And if you ferment a lot, make something new to you. Mm-hmm. So this is different from the beverage because it's not necessarily a drink. It could be anything. You could be going along the fermented vegetables, which of course we know there are many, um, but you could try um, a, a meat cure. You could go adventurous and, and try some um, misos or something with koji. Mm-hmm. Um, you could work on some grains. So if you've never had fermented porridge before, go ahead and try that. Um, there are videos on my site that will talk you through that. Any form of ferment that is. Just make something that's either your first ferment or something that's new to you regarding fermentation. Mm-hmm. Okay, number. I think, um, I think Chelsea, yeah. Chelsea Green. I'm looking to mm-hmm. make sure I'm correct, but I think they're coming out with a Koji book, or they just did one or the other. I'm looking up okay. like a book all about the Koji ferment. I mean, you can read a lot of that online too. Um, yeah, well, that's something oh, yeah. amazing Koji to dip into if you've not tried Koji. Calls it. Yeah. Mm. Um, and my uncle always says, you can make anything with koji from it. He's like, throw it in your kimchi, yeah. you know. So there's lots yeah. of creative ways to use it, not just, you know, this real, you know, laboratory themed fermentation. No, um, I agree. Yeah. Okay. Number 12, prepare mm-hmm. a dish or meal that would have been lo- known to locals in your area in the past. Okay. I had to, I was trying to be a little bit specific in the verbiage here because this may not be your direct genetic ancestry. Yeah. This is the region where you live. Yeah. In a sense, in a way we would all be like, oh, sorry. I just kicked the chair. <laughs> um, getting really excited over here. Um, <laughs> and in times past, you know, people never traveled more than a short distance away from where they grew up. Right. So, um, everybody was in their genetic and like regional history area. Mm. So the things you made were grown there because nobody was going very far away. Nobody was hauling things in or out and everybody who you were descended from, you know, lived and died there. Right. Well, we don't live that way anymore. You know, the world changed and people move around to different areas, which is fun and exciting. And, and what people did was they carried the traditions with them. So a lot of times, um, if you really research like a regional dish, it, it only goes back like a hundred years. Um, it doesn't go back very far. You'll have to decide for yourself how far back you want to go. I'm going to try and seek something that would have been native to the area in terms of it was what grew here. It was what naturally existed here when people lived Mm -hmm. here before. 
um, okay. which means I'll probably be fermenting fish or something. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, so it's up to you if you want to, you know, use something that was transplanted in or how far back you want to go. I'm going to try to go back at least far enough to, you know, the recent, recent enough history, obviously, you know, there's a certain point where we just can't know what happened, yeah. but um, I'll try to go back far enough that it was something that at least grew here, you know, as far as we know, fairly native to the region. <laughs> I'm looking forward to seeing what you come up with. Yeah, me too. <laughs> I'll really probably nice. use that book. Um, what what was it called? Ren- Renewing American Traditions. Oh, the one you or, mentioned last time. The week. one I mentioned yeah. last time. Yeah. I'll, I'll try to find the title and um, mark it be- because if anyone listening is in the U.S., hello, then it has... Um, that book has recipes from every region of the United States and they tried Mm -hmm. to go back pretty far too. I mean, some things like they, there's a potato that's considered native to this area, but technically it was brought to South America by the Spanish, you know, back in the 1600s or something like that. Right. So, so it's kind of native, but not, you know? (laughs) Yeah. 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 So you could go down real yeah. um, wormholes yeah. for that can't you <laughs> yeah you can Amazing. see how <laughs> how picky yeah. you want to be but if we use the same standard that they use for um like heirloom plants and heritage animals you know they yeah. say like oh if it was pre-industrial agriculture then it counts so that's okay. probably going to be a good me- measuring stick is if it's pre-industrial agriculture it's pretty close so i'm going <clears> to <throat> take number 13 because um i get excited oh, this is all you <laughs> <laughs> prepare a meal or a dish using offal and if you're using offal quite regularly in your kitchen, find some other piece of offal that you're not used to cooking. Um, okay, so, Allison, so it looks like you're down to mm, the sex organs yeah. of a bowl. <laughs> I don't know I don't what know else you left. haven't tried. <laughs> no, uh, yeah, it's actually true. I don't really know what much is left. Okay, so there's a recipe on my site for, or there's not, there's a recipe linked on my site to Slow Cooked Beef Heart, which is a great place to start. That is a good place to start. Doing something kind of um, a bit different. Um, Naomi, who, um, as you hinted at, we will have on the podcast in a couple of yes. weeks. Um, her site, um, which we will link in the show notes, has a wonderful beef liver pate recipe, which uses allspice berries. And the flavor of the liver that a lot of people don't like is completely kind of disguised by the allspice She's berries. So, if, so, yeah, her recipes and her pictures are amazing. Ugh. And so, if you wanted to have a go with liver, but you've kind of been put off by the taste mm-hmm. of liver in the past, um, have a go with that liver pate. Yeah. And then there yeah. are tons of other recipes. I mean, if you if you want to try heart, heart's great in, in stew, it's great stir fried. If you want to um, have kidneys, you know, there's English steak and kidney pie. There's recipes for brains. There's recipes for lungs. There's recipes for spleen. There's a spleen crostini, which is eaten quite a lot here mm. um, in Tuscany, which I made last year um there's tripe obviously as well and and tuscany has a a very long recipe tradition of making various different um tripe dishes there's just there's so many and this is such a an under publicized part of meat eating you know that there is a huge percentage of an animal that is not flesh and we should be eating it you know it was the thing that that hunters ate first when they made a kill because of the nutrients. And it is the most, the, the offal is the most nutrient dense part of an animal. And it is so cheap. And when you buy a massive yeah. heart, like a beef heart, it's like you know two and a half kilos um, in European <laughs> weights. And it will last <laughs> you, you for a, such a long time. It's so economical, so easy, and really just so tasty too there's there's no need yeah. to 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 be afraid of it and um yeah i certainly take this one on if anyone has issues um with offal that they kind of want help with then um please come and ask me because um yeah I, i'm an offal warrior i think we should be eating more <laughs> she is she's the queen well i agree with you allison what you said the heart is a really good place to start especially a beef heart if somebody's not accustomed to organs and they just want to have an or like eat an organ straight up because heart is a muscle so it's the most similar 
in terms of texture yeah. and everything to the muscle meat that people are accustomed to eating. I really can't figure out why awful fell out of flavor or flavor, favor, both, I guess, because in I my head I'm it's... thinking... Well, I think it's but, because of its cheapness, you know, that it was associated with the poor mm. because the poor oh, could only afford right. it. And then when yeah. when it's kind of upwardly mobile lifestyles kicked in pretty much after the war, yeah. I think it was just people look at it and think, oh, poor people ate that. I don't want to eat you know that. You're right. There are a lot of foods that because they were the food that the poor ate, they fell out of favor, um, mm. like like whole grain bread, for instance, like a yeah. bread that's yeah. not a white flour. Um or different like bone broths and ferments and things in my mm. head though. I always think, well, you know, from a, like a slaughterhouse perspective, wouldn't you want to sell every single ounce of everything you could and make yeah. the most amount of money, but yeah. maybe just, maybe it was driven more by, um, you know, you see a lot of like the Edwardian era and stuff like that. People mimicking the, the rich and famous, you know, like mm. the earls and things like that. I was thinking, Alison, <laughs> the other day, because I was watching Downton Abbey again, and, you know, the daughter gets married and, you know, in their fancy house or whatever. And mm. I was thinking, huh, so we're just all peasants. And when we rent these estates, we're just like being like trying to be an earl, like this mm. is my estate and this is where I would get married. <laughs> like, we're just trying to imitate the whatever. What, what do you guys call them? The peers? Is that what you call them? Yeah, yeah. The yeah. peerage. So funny. So maybe with the organ things, it's like, yeah, we're gonna imitate the the earls, and we're gonna we're gonna rent a fancy house to get married in, and we're gonna eat the muscle meat, not the liver. <laughs> yeah, I don't know. Yeah, no, but they also eat just posh a, things it's like a nat- kidneys. It's a boring. natural reaction to what happened in the war because there were so many food shortages, mm. and if you could get away from that, you want to really. If you live, yeah, through you're it, right. Which must have been horrendous yeah. but now we are not there we are somewhere else and mm-hmm. we have issues with industrialized meat and transportation and we should be eating this awful it's wonderful and there is a litany yeah. of recipes from every culture using um offal. oh yeah and every, so every single one as a as a creative act it is something that's wonderful to kind of oh i can use this recipe i can try this i can try that it's something that uh-huh. that can spark creativity as well yeah, absolutely. Tasty. Well, Rob already mm-hmm. achieved it by eating the eyeball off of your... <laughs> yeah, our sheep's head. Yeah, I couldn't. I couldn't okay, let's do 14. It kind of okay. kind of spins off of that one. Um, use fat in a new way. Make it extra special and use a fat you have never tried before. Okay, I mm. I worked back and forth on how to word this because I was like, well, what, what have people not used? You know, so... There may be, it may be that you haven't done something with fat, like, um, Allison, you talked about, um, spreading lard on bread. Yeah. Well, this was just when we were chatting the other day, it wasn't on a podcast episode, mm-hmm. but you were saying that you brought lard and a loaf of bread and people said, wow, putting lard on bread, you know, so yeah. that could be using fat in a new way. Something as simple as that. Mm-hmm. Um, or it could be also using a fat you've never tried before. I was thinking, you know, all the old old books in American history talk about, you know, how they use bear grease for everything. I was like, Hey, maybe I can get my hands on some bear grease and try that out. Oh, no, there's, there's other, there are, you know, there's, there's duck fat, there's goose fat, oh, there's ghee, which a lot of people have never tried. You know, you might've tried That's butter. True. That's true. Not try ghee. And there's other ways to use things. I mean, brown well, butter goose is fat something and fat and... that I hadn't done for ages. And so it's, yeah. And there's chicken fat as well, obviously. Mm-hmm. If you've got a really mm-hmm. Yeah. Nice yeah. What did you say it was called? You said chicken Schmaltz. fat has a name. Schmaltz. I think I don't know how you pronounce it. It might be schmaltz. 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 That's yeah. right. Um, okay. So, so I should I should mention this, Allison. Uh, Lexi had seen something. She sent it to me, and then I sent it to you, and then um, we kind of discussed it. It was somebody saying, "Don't use rendered chicken fat. It's it's mm. oxidized or something." And we were like, "Wait, what?" Um, so, um. I'm assuming she's maybe referring to if you cook it at an excessively high heat for a really long time. I'm not sure. Although then Mm. I feel like it largely emulsifies into the broth at that point and you don't really separate Mm. it. But Mm. I do take, take the fat off of my broths and things and I use it for cooking. Like we took 
our turkey that we cooked for Thanksgiving had so much fat. I mean, I think I skimmed off two pints and I used it to make mayonnaise. And so then the next day we had turkey fat mayo. It was so good. Lovely. And of Gosh, course the turkey cooked. Oh, it was really good. The turkey cooked with, um, you know sage and everything like that yeah, so there was all this all really good flavors. infusion of flavor in it and then I actually used some of our preserved eggs from the summer to make the mayo it was so delicious Allison like so I could have just eaten it <laughs> was that good yeah so that that's a really good example of using fat in a new way I've just suddenly come popped into my head the idea of confit you know um cooking up some meat and then oh, yeah. preserving it in fat there's something in that book that we were talking about earlier on where um, yeah. the pig was slaughtered and then bits of the pig were literally preserved under fat so that's another different way of mm-hmm. using fat you know it kind of oh yeah or using the start thinking naomi's um biscuit recipe with the cracklins that would yeah. be using fat in a new way yeah uh, i'm gonna yeah. link that in the <laughs> you gotta make a list quick go to your pad I'll I'll a list going. <laughs> okay so where are we up to okay so Let's now we're on to 15 number 15 okay 15 is make a home remedy herbal blend or supplement. So this is um, could seem intimidating, but it's not. We just interviewed um, Stephanie, um, uh, Thistle Bee Tea, for our um, patron feed. Um, she's a herbalist, and she approaches it really in such a down-to-earth way that, you know, you've got these herbs in your garden. You're growing rosemary. You're growing oregano. You're growing mint. Just take it and use it and make it into a tea. You know, it doesn't have to be any more complicated than that. Get to know these even you know really common herbs have fabulous effects on our health and can be used in um simply in teas you know and yeah. i think that's a that's a really nice um inclusion in the challenge that we could take something that we might have not used in that way and make a remedy with it or make a herbal tea with it make something with it um so that's what i'm going to be doing for that one I think, that's using some that's actually part of um, why I wanted to put this in, I was really keen on having this um, challenge item in here, Allison, was because um, I do think that sometimes we think it's complicated because mm. most of our health solutions we've turned over entirely to um, an industry that profits off of us being super sick all the time. Mm. And not going to go into a wormhole on that. I'm just saying, like, we've turned over all our autonomy to somebody else who may or may not, we don't know, have our best interests at heart, right? But what I was hoping people would do is say, okay, well, I want to, what is it that I want to remedy? Okay, well, I want to sleep. And so then you're going to have to start researching Mm -hmm. herbs for relaxing and sleeping or something, right? Then you'll say, well, I'm really interested in Tulsi and lemon balm and lavender. So I'm going to make those three into my herbal blend and and make myself a tea. And I'm just going to see how it goes, right? Mm. That's my hope. And I'm also figure that when, because home remedies used to just like, if Allison, do you have any, or have you looked through any old cookbooks? Not really ancient well, I guess no, maybe. I know, I know, but I kind of know what you're going to say, and that the you know what I'm going to say. Discussions and podcasts that I've been on, they just have they have recipes and yes. they have health recipes in the same yes. books. They're the yep. same There's thing. There's literally they come from no the same separating. Place. Yeah. There's no every single cookbook that I have before 1950, and some of them after, but every single one from before 1950, and I collect them, so I have a number. Um, they all have you know cakes, biscuits, and breads soups, gravies, home remedies, foods for sick people, recipes for someone who's trying to gain weight. There's always something for somebody who's trying to gain weight. (laughs) And, and it's just a part of the kitchen activities because you would take the same things that you use for making dinner and maybe concentrate them into a tea as opposed to having them sprinkled throughout your tomato sauce. Right. So, so what you'll notice when you're making a home remedy, you're like, wait a minute, oregano and thyme and sage that's what I made in my spaghetti last night like yeah yeah it is (laughs) your food is so full of healing properties and should be of course if you're using imitation sage flavor or a hundred year old dried sage from you know a chemical farm you're not getting a lot of benefits but if you're taking the sage from your backyard and strewing it over your turkey or you know 
stewing it into your tomatoes, then yeah, you will be getting some wonderful benefits from that. So there's a lot of crossover. It's almost hard to separate the two, but here we have home remedy, herbal blender supplement, whatever you want to interpret that as. And we also, Allison did the um, episode a while back and I'll link it for where we talked about fire cider and the recipe for that. So yeah, yeah, of course. That's a good that's one. Thing that could also, well. that could also yeah. check off your make a new ferment. You could check off make a new ferment at the same time as that. Okay. Yeah, let's do number idea. 16. This, okay, of course, so, yeah, go on. there's people who do entire challenges, you know, of a hundred items built only out of number 16. We've just got one. <laughs> so you pick what you want, but this is preserve something. How you want to preserve it. You can can it, freeze it, dry it. You can ferment it, freezer, dry it. You can lime it, pickle it. Yeah. You can cellar it, you know, buried in the ground, <laughs> put it yeah. in ashes. There's lots of ways you can preserve things. Yeah. Wonderful. I think all of those things are worth exploring and like you said they could be a challenge in and of themselves yeah and that all of them have such roots in the past for health and for um economy <clears throat> and keeping food good so i love that one mm-hmm. well, i'm I 17 too i oh, go on then oh i was just gonna <laughs> say excited. i think there's there's an instagram i'm trying to remember her name i think it's called three mm. rivers homestead i'll try to find mm-hmm. it and link it but she does a challenge every year I think she does it every year, but it's called every bit counts. And she just challenges you to like throughout the summer, literally preserve something every single day, even if it's like two jars of something or a tiny bag of something dried. She just wants you in the mindset of every bit counts. All right. Number 17. Yeah. Make (laughs) a recipe you've avoided or or been intimidated by. I like Uh. this one just to get my teeth into it. So we all know we've looked through recipe books and we've like, oh, crikey. That looks yeah. really nice, but I'm a bit scared about this. And, and I've heard a lot mm-hmm. of people say it about the, the beef heart recipe that I really wanted to cook a beef heart. But I, it's just this big thing and I don't really know what to do with it. So, yeah, take something that you know you want to make in your kitchen and commit to, to tackling it and bringing it to life. And that's something that, that yeah, I, I love that because I love getting my teeth yeah. into Kind of strange so things. you could double up this with the awful if you wanted to or you could keep yeah, them separate true. if you're trying to give yourself more things to do um and you have the whole year to do this challenge so this isn't one of those like cranking out on a month type scenarios because i can't yeah. do that yeah. but yeah all right what what are you gonna what do you think you'll do allison what comes to your mind when you say something you've avoided or been intimidated uh, by crikey. um probably something with koji because me too I've, I've kind of avoided koji <laughs> not because i've intimidated been intimidated by it, by it I have. but because i just am doing too many things and i think it's another chapter you know it's like i know this like when it i is. started making sourdough i was like oh my gosh this is just overwhelming and i remember saying to rob um i got these books out of the library and i remember saying to rob i can't do this it's too much it's too much to learn send all the books back to the library and yeah, the next morning i woke up and i thought I can't, I can't do that. It's just, it's going to happen. No matter what I do, this is going to happen. Mm-hmm. And um, yeah, I feel like that's kind of where I'm at with Koji a bit, that I haven't quite got enough space in my life to fit it in, or I, I've been pushing it away, left, right and centre. And it would be really nice to actually kind of play with it. So it might be Koji oh, yeah. for me. Yeah, I think I've, I don't know if I've avoided it or been intimidated by it or whatever, but, or I've created it into a monument in my mind, but definitely is something that I, I, it's because I think like you indicated with the sourdough, I know it's a wormhole. And once I go Mm. down, well, you know, me and wormholes, it's very hard for me to get out. (laughs) It's the nature of my personality, I guess. Okay. Um, Number 18, make Mm -hmm. a meal from ingredients sourced entirely from your region. So yeah. I, I, I didn't want to say make a dish. I wanted to say mm-hmm. make an entire meal. So you're okay. in this, this, um, a dish, just one dish might not be challenging enough, I guess is what I'm trying to say, because you could be like, I got the beets from the farm down the road and, and the rosemary from my garden was, I am, <laughs> you know, I wanted yeah. it to be a challenge. So make an entire meal uh, from ingredients sourced entirely from your region Um, I guess it's up to you if you want to get really picky about something like salt, you know, I would say Mm -hmm. it's still fine to get salt, (laughs) get your salt, but, um, you know, if you want to go, you know, full, 
full Tudor monastery farm and <laughs> distill your own salt, I guess, go for it. <laughs> but um, what do you think about this one, Allison? Does, does this go along with our supermarkets episode? <laughs> yeah, oh, completely. And we'll hopefully be revisiting that later this year. But, you over know, it's, um, <laughs> it's so important because it, it transcends any other form of kind of diet rules that the world puts out there for us, you know. Oh, yes, absolutely. Vegan or ancestral or paleo. No, we live in a location and to avoid so much of the issues in our food chains, what we need to do is eat from that region. And mm-hmm. that's how it would have happened all the time <clears throat> until really sure. very recently in our history. And so the more we can get familiar and acquainted and dig in to what's around us, the, the better it is for, for us, for yeah. the communities around us and, and for the world, I think. So, and when yeah. you work with the ingredients from around you, Alison, I know you have found this and I know every, everybody who's doing this, working on this will say the same thing. You start to find... Um, number one, what the gaps are, where, yeah. Yeah. Uh, where like the commercial market has kind of created a void in the yeah. local market. And then um, you also start to find why people ate certain things in an area. So um, you, there are foods that we can eat that help us with the specific environment maybe we have a lot of sun and we eat things that help us you know um process that sun through our like you know Mm -hmm. eating foods high in vitamin d or um you know there's really intense ferments that you find in in regions that get quite cold because you've got months out of the year with not Mm -hmm. really anything growing and you're literally relying on crocs of food that have to be fairly nutrient dense or you're all dying of scurvy and mm. salt poisoning you know so um it's definitely interesting finding things sourced entirely from your region and this would be a fun one of course everybody's kind of working towards that you know supermarket free lifestyle but mm. um this would be a fun one to really visit intensely you know every quarter at least so you were seeing yeah. what was happening around you and and this really puts you in tune with the pulse of the farming around you too I mean there was entire years of my life where I had no idea really that um what the seasons were for things to grow around me I couldn't have told you exactly when apricots were being harvested because I didn't really know it was just like oh they're kind of here all summer when you start eating regionally, you start realizing, oh my word, this only has like a week of harvest time. Like it's <laughs> yeah. like, what? I thought I had all summer, you know, like when I realized strawberries, like a lot of strawberries really only last for a couple weeks in, in like late spring, depending on where you're yeah. at. Um, and then there's different plants that, you know, you can pick off of longer, but I was like, wait a minute. I thought strawberries just kind of grew all summer long. And <laughs> I just had no idea. So that'll be a fun one. And I want to see, yeah. please, please post. I want to see, I want to see. Yeah, I want to see all the, the different vegetables. I know because so many vegetables kind of grow in different places and I haven't even heard of half of them. So um, oh my gosh, yeah, yes. if you've got something particularly interesting or just show us what is grown in your yeah. region. Because I don't know because, you know, I, I, know live in, I live in Tuscany and I grew <laughs> up in the south of England. That's all I yeah. know, you know. So yeah. I'd, I'd love to see what, what, your world is you know it should be it'd be cool. fun to see the meal and try to figure out where it was from <laughs> yeah yeah that would be a That'd game be cool. <laughs> <laughs> okay yeah. number 19 okay number 19 is spend a day without using the internet or social media ideally screens at all and explain yeah. why you put this one in andrea well okay this one yeah let's pull this one apart just a little bit you might say to yourself, this has nothing to do with food, but I would say it has everything to do with food and everything to do with our lifestyle. And, um, this I'm going to link in the show notes, Allison's episode, why I gave away my iPhone, (laughs) because Mm. it's a good one. And if you're a patron 
definitely pop into the private patron podcast feed because there's an interview that I did with Rob that is really good. Really, really good Mm -hmm. talking more about screens and things like that. But one thing that I hear a lot is, wow, how do you have the time to do blah, 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 whatever you do. And one thing I've noticed is on the days that I get sucked into my phone, because it definitely happens to me, I get hardly anything done and definitely nothing creative happens and Mm. definitely nothing just off the wall that just came from the quiet boredom of a mind that wasn't being occupied and entertained by something wasn't consuming content of some form it was just sort of stewing around and I've also noticed Allison I don't know if we've talked about this or if it's true for you but I Mm. feel like when I spend time and this includes either long stretches of time or popping on and off which you know the more the more I stay off of my phone the more I realize how unhealthy the frequent popping on and off is mm-hmm. um when I do that there's this uh, I don't know what you want to call it you know the ancients would have called it a muse or some sort of a creative uh, I don't know exactly what it's called, but there's this like spirit in me that ceases to produce when I spend a lot of time on a screen. Oh my gosh. I don't know if this is making any sense at all, but no, um... I think it, I'm just going to put my two cents <laughs> worth in here. I think okay. it, um, the phone and the screens take us out of our body into some kind yes, of virtual yes, sw- yes, swirling swimming is. world. And we're in our heads all the time and we're outside being distracted. And if we can take that away, not just for an hour, if we can take it away for a longer stretch of time so we can experience being without it yes we come we have an opportunity to come back into our bodies more and you know mm-hmm. then you go and spend time in the kitchen or going for a walk that encourages that coming back into our bodies yeah. and it's only when we're in our own bodies that we have the possibility to listen and hear and have things come up that are actually of us not from someone else and yes. so yeah, I, I mean, I totally agree with you. I think it, it okay. there is no kind of muse if you're out there doing that kind of right. thing all the time. It needs concerted effort to just be with yourself, which, mm-hmm. yeah, we know is hard. It's, it's hard to be with yourself because most people have a load of rubbish inside that has to be worked through. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, life isn't easy, but it's certainly yeah. worthwhile to experience it and to to try to make for me it's been worthwhile to to make it part of my life regularly because my life improves my relationships improve everything Mm -hmm. improves so yeah that's why and I want I want us all to get that feeling of of um you know when I dedicated myself to taking a day off or whatever how much you can get done and um Mm. (laughs) Allison I'm almost done reading that Shakespeare bio it's so good I can't stop but I keep thinking to myself, would he have accomplished all of this if he was checking Gosh. his email all the time no. or, you know. He would have comp- been comparing himself to some other playwright probably and never written what he wrote. <laughs> and he would have been off on other people's yeah. ideas. I mean, just no, absolutely not. No, it wouldn't have happened. And when you referred, when you and I are just chatting about Christmas stuff and ideas and just fun stuff yesterday and um you said, I feel like I keep downloading these ideas for books. You know, that was a computer terminology, but um, those downloads don't happen for me when I'm mm. on the phone. I don't exactly know how to explain it, but it's like, it's like a, um, it's like a, a connection <laughs> to use another yeah. computer terminology gets blocked um, yeah. because it's filled with this, you know, xenoestrogenic type you know fake hormone this fake idea of the screen and then the natural hormones the the real ideas can't function I don't know it's it's definitely something that will be fun for us to explore so what could what could be you know that this challenge could actually feed into that item in that you know if you think yeah "Yeah, you know I'd like to do this and maybe I could do it twice a month well okay Mm -hmm perhaps yeah. dedicate those two days to some of the other items on this list and do a recipe you've been intimidated with or 
do another yeah. ferment and that gives you a kind of a motivation to stay away from it because you're like I'm going to do this yeah. today I'm going to turn my phone off and I'm going to leave it over absolutely. there absolutely and then I'm going to do one of these challenges and then I'll go back on tomorrow and I'll post uh-huh. the pictures then. <laughs> it'll also push you into seeing what resources you have on hand and um for do, do you remember Allison a couple of weeks ago there was like the social media blackout or whatever uh, like mm. Instagram was down and you know some people didn't even know because it wasn't that long no I don't but... be on you I think it was on your your Thursday or something so you weren't on it anyways <laughs> but anyways um what happened I heard a lot of people say this people posted about this and people said it to me they said oh my gosh I realized all my recipes were saved on or pinned oh, or whatever on Instagram okay. Okay. And That's they said, scary. I realized I couldn't even make, you know, my lasagna or whatever they were trying to do mm. um, without social media. And so when we first got out here, you know, internet was here and there or um, power was here and there. We were still figuring things out. And I immediately had to recognize like the day the chicken had her catastrophic health event and I had to kill the first chicken out here on the farm because she was dying and in, in a horrible condition and I didn't have access to the internet or anything. And I was like, uh, well, I don't have any of the things you would normally use to kill a chicken. So how am I going to kill this chicken? And I took that, that Carla Emery book that I talked about on the book challenge episode and, um, or not book challenge, but just the book episode. And yeah, I just looked up how she said to kill a chicken, you know, so it was like in the book. So then I went out and I did it and knowing what resources you have, like, can you even find a recipe without getting on the internet for, you know, cracklins or whatever it is you want to do? Like, Mm. what do you have on hand that could be important for people to know? Yeah, no, that's an interesting point. Interesting point. So yeah, yeah, we we, we know what we both feel about that one. So we've got three left. Yeah. And we're, um, we're, right. we're over an hour. So we're going to go through the last what? three. Yeah, okay. I know. So much for keeping it to 35 minutes. So though. much for that. All <laughs> okay. right. So number 20 is introduce a new cookbook into your kitchen, which is always okay. a joy to do. I know that, that everyone listening generally that I speak to anyway loves cookbooks. So go and find something that you're really inspired by and um, mm-hmm. play with in your kitchen. For sure. Um, number 21 is make something mentioned on the podcast. Um, so yeah, I, I dread to think how many things we've mentioned over the last year, thousands and thousands and thousands. See if there's yes. something that you remember that you thought, oh yeah, I remember them talking about that a few months ago and I, I remember wanting to do it. Um, and then, then go do it. Um, mm-hmm. And that would be really awesome to see something that we've talked about um, being made in, in your kitchens. I'd love to see the pictures of that one. Um, yeah. And then the last one, is make a dish or meal your genetic ancestors would have made. So obviously for me, that's going to be different from the one that was earlier that that the ancestors who lived in your area around you would have made. Um, And I know my ancestry is Northern European. Um, I've had one of that. I did one of those 23andMe tests about a decade ago, I think. Um, And so, yeah, that will be different for me. That will be going and finding something that um, is not from the Italian liturgy where I, where I live now, but something that comes from, yeah, my, my actual genetic ancestors, which will be exciting. Yeah. Yep. How about for you? Uh, that one? I, well, this one is, it's uh, the, the ep- episodes, not episodes, the um, challenges aren't really in any specific order, but I did put this mm. one last because to my mind, it's sort of the culmination of everything because this is the ancestral <clears throat> kitchen podcast. And regardless of what, you may think you all have ancestors <laughs> mm. and everybody has an ancestor. You didn't get here on your own. So the difficult part for some of us might be finding out who the ancestors were. And that might be a challenge. I mm. think I've heard it said that most people don't know the names of anybody past their grandparents mm. or even their living grandparents. I do. And yes, you do. <laughs> and Jacob, oh, said I do. But, um, I was laying in bed the other night trying to think how far back can I go? And I was like, wow, I really don't know that many of my, you know, great grandparents or great, great grandparents names, even though I've seen them before, but you know, I'm not Mm -hmm. familiar with them. So, um, finding out who your genetic ancestors 
are might be a little bit of a challenge or maybe you know you know our family was irish and you know that's maybe that's all you want to know and and so you can so you can um just go back and search for some you know irish traditional recipes or whatever it might be yeah that sounds fascinating i mean Mm -hmm. again i want to see all these recipes and I want to hear all the stories. It just is really exciting. Yeah. So I think the best ways, what are the best ways for people to share what they're well, doing through you the could year with this? Tag the podcast, Ancestral mm. Kitchen Podcast. Um, yep. or you could tag, you know, Allison us. or myself. Yeah. You could tag all of us if you're really into tagging. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um <clears throat> you can use the hashtag okay. Ancestral Kitchen Challenge. I'll sign up for that. I'll make sure I'm signed up. Yeah. To yeah. See that hashtag. This all assumes you're on social media. If you're not on yeah. social media, um, I took Allison and threw her out there. <laughs> and I said, email it to Allison because she yeah. actually checks her email. I'm really mm. terrible about it. So um, send it to Allison at ancestralkitchen.com. And she she shares the stuff with me. So, um, so we'll both then, see it. Then we can share it on social media if you want us to, or if you just want to share it and let us see it. You know, we, we don't have to put it online. But yeah, um, no, that's fine. Yeah. I'd like to see just, it anyway. And I know yeah, you'd like I, to see I want it. to see it and enjoy it. So, and I put a little page after the ancestral <clears throat> yeah, page two challenge with just, just some lines. Cause sometimes like an Allison and I were sitting here, if I had my notebook or my, my printed page with me, I would have jotted down like, you know, on the intimidated by, I would maybe put Koji. Like, I want to remember mm. that that's what I was thinking about. Maybe it's yeah, not exactly okay. what I'm going to do, but I just want to remember yeah so if you want to go and get that um pdf remember it's it's up on my site ancestralkitchen.com forward slash challenge so you could print that off now if you wanted and just um go onto the second page and jot down some ideas of what you would like to do this year and then maybe pin it up somewhere where you'll be reminded of it regularly and um Mm -hmm. then when you're when you're able and feeling enthused yeah get stuck in it'll be such fun i'm gonna i'm gonna enjoy it awesome wonderful I love it, Alison. That's great. Okay, well, thank you, everyone, for, for listening to um, our first bonus episode of the year. And, and I think there'll probably yeah. be more because we've got a lot to say so. this year. I think. We do. <laughs> a <laughs> okay, lot has cool. happened. <laughs> okay, well, I'm looking forward to seeing what you create and what everyone else creates this year using yeah. this. Um, and um, I'll speak to you soon, Andrea. All right, you too, Alison. Thanks. Bye. Bye. Bye.